Proverbs chapter 22, if you have your Bibles. In uh, Anderson, Alaska, back in 2007, Anderson, Alaska is a population of, or was at the time, of 300 people. And it's in the interior of Alaska. It's not near one of the coasts. It's a rather small area. But they were offering free land to those who were willing to put down roots there. People as far away from Florida traveled, which must have been shocking because it was 25 degrees below zero. There were 44 parties that waited in line for 26 lots that were being offered to those who applied with a refundable deposit of $500. The winner of the 26th lot was Roger Schauger of Portland, Maine, who boarded a 6 a.m. flight Saturday, just hours before he he heard about the offer. He was 23, flew up to Fairbanks, and then hitchhiked out to Anderson, where he planned to do odd jobs to make a living. Those who failed to make the initial cut still had a chance by city officials if the first 26 did not fulfill their commitment, which they had two years to mark out the land and develop it to an inhabitable, workable place. They had to make it their own. The text we're going to read talks about landmarks or literally borders or boundaries. The thought of a landmark in the text, the word in the Hebrew literally means it's actually a braided rope. It has to do with the thought of a boundary, a territory, an enclosed, a border, a border coast, and by implication, a landmark, something you would recognize, this is the border a limit, or a space. God has a place for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. But you have to make it your own. And I want to think with you about not moving the boundaries or the landmarks. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight in the New Living Translation, do not cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. The New King James, do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set up. The ancient The word ancient literally means, of course, old, from eternity, a, a long time, or lasting. I want to think firstly with landmarks in life. We all have landmarks. We all would think about this in a couple of ways. We think about monuments or spots, noticeable marks. When I moved to Ireland, they actually didn't have zip codes. They've just recently introduced zip codes. And so when you got outside of the cities of Dublin or Galway or or Cork and into some of the rural areas, they literally would have addresses uh, that would be based on landmarks. The third road from the rock. 
would be a, a an actual postal address that they would use. Now they're trying to come into the modern generation and uh, use some kind of post codes or post zip codes, as we would call them here in the States. But references, landmarks. When I moved to Vilnius, the television tower is a major landmark. It has to do with where uh, 13 people were killed at, in, 19, in January of 1991 that as, kind of was the mark of the end of the Soviet Union. And you can see it from all over the city, and I would use that as a landmark as I would drive. I know I need to keep it in front of me, and now when it's behind me, I know somewhere I took a wrong turn, especially in the early days, because I couldn't read the signs, because I couldn't buy a vowel. But anyway, uh, you know, and so uh, we would get into these, uh, and I, it had to be in front of me. If it got behind me, I knew I had, I had done something wrong. And this was before... Uh, you know, you could just pull it up on your phone and such. There are also boundaries. When we bought this building, we had to have the land surveyed that we would mark off what is our property, not our neighbors, what is ours, and this survey was that had to match the towns and such. In fact, actually, Lyndon, when uh, we were selling that burned dairy, called me and uh, Chris, uh, Christian, who was the man I was dealing with, uh, they had the town line between Parrington and East Rochester marked wrong on it. One of the surveys, it became a problem. They actually got it worked out, and it was to their benefit uh, as well, and so that worked out. But surveys, lines, we all understand them. In life, we have to fight for these in our own life. The text, you know, is in light of the Israelites taking the promised land. If politically speaking, and I don't want to get into it all, but, you know, one of the issues of politics in the next election, as it's been in the last couple, is the issue of our border. Our southern border. Do we build the wall? But I won't talk about it politically from the pulpit, right? There has to be borders. Borders change everything. Laws, languages, food, cultures. Pastor Mitchell said if you're going to be, and actually Pastor Greg used this in the the Sunday school, if you're going to be what we are, then you're going to have to do what we do. You cannot be what we are without being what we are. There's something about taking that and making it your own. Caleb, in the book of Joshua, one of the two spies, he and Joshua were the ones who told, let's go take the land. The others came back with the evil report. Caleb wanted a particular piece of portion of land. And so it says in Joshua 14, 13 and 14, so Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Junepheth, and gave him Hebron as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, the son of Junith, to to this day because he wholly followed the Lord, God of Israel. 
It belongs to him. It's his. He made it his. He set the boundaries and claimed it as his own. We live, the problem that our text is dealing with is shifting landmarks, shifting boundaries. This can be a physical thing. This can happen. You can take more territory. You can lose territory. You know, one of the uh, issues that would be faced sometimes in Europe is they'd say, let's go back to the old borders. The problem is, what old borders are you talking about? Lithuania is a small country now, but at one time it was a huge country controlling lots of territory, but now it's shrunk down. What old borders? Germany. There's one city in France that actually had German and French road signs up because they didn't know who they were going to belong to next year. I'm not making that up. They didn't bother taking down the old because they said, you know what? We don't know who this will be. Borders matter in life. Landmarks matter in life. Your property, whether you rent or own, whether you your car, own or lease, that becomes yours. And it's shifting landmarks can become a problem, especially in the spiritual we see this in our day. The sin issues like sin have shifted like it's just a disease. Or it's just a little problem. It's all about blessing and grace now. Out of balance. Thank God for grace. Thank God for blessing. I'll take them both. But you got to have this understand sin as well. Job 24, verse 2. Evil people steal land by moving boundaries markers. They steal livestock and put them in their own pastures. You know, identity theft is a big problem today. People will get a hold of your social security number or some other information about you and try to then take out loans in your name, credit cards. Uh, this can get into uh, car titles, house titles. This can create all sorts of problems. And though you're not legally bound, you know, fraud has been committed, the banks can make it a nightmare for you to prove that. Shifting identity and landmarks. Jude says that, I say this, Jude 1 and verse 4, because some ungodly people have wormed their way into the, into your churches, saying God is miraculous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. They write books. They have very popular YouTube channels. They're on, they're everywhere and they'll tell you and they'll shift landmarks, boundaries. This is why you have to make certain things your own. Romans 16.25, Paul writes and says, Now all the glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my 
good news, or other translations say, my gospel says. This message about Jesus Christ has been revealed. His plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. Paul says, this is mine. The gospel is, yes, it's the gospel, but it's mine. Because mine changes everything. There are a lot of cars in the parking lot. But mine changes the one I can get into and drive without one of you being very, very mad at me. Or maybe you'll rejoice because you'll say, you left me a better car than I, I, I don't know. Right? Mine. My wife. That changes everything about the relationship I can have with her. Mine gospel. It's mine. I have made it my own. Not changing it, claiming it. A few years ago, a series of studies was determined how fences and boundaries affect the behavior of children in a playground. Researchers constructed a playground with no fences. During the experiment, children stayed in the center, almost in fear. They never ventured out to play beyond the structures. Researchers then put a fence up around the playground. Immediately, children's behavior changed. Instead of being fearful and staying in the center of the playground, they wandered with freedom all the way to the fences, exploring and enjoying the entire space. Researchers conclude the overwhelming conclusion that was given with a limitation, children felt safer to explore the playground. With boundaries, in this case a fence, children felt at ease to explore the space. In other words, fences brought freedom, and the absence of fences created fear and apprehension. Something about boundaries, about landmarks, that create a security. Think about some biblical landmarks that our fellowship has embraced. One is prayer. You know, I I was actually thinking recently and uh, had just another prayer answered. And I was thinking about, you know, just how God has answered prayer and has done miracles. And God answers prayer. He really does. We have prayer meetings every day. Every morning we have it here. Every uh, We have an hour before every evening service. We have prayer before evangelism on Saturday. We pray because prayer is one of those landmarks that in the religious world gets shifted. If a church often, and I'm not comparing, I don't like to play that game, but in much of the religious world, if they have prayer one night a week, they're doing well. Because some have none. You know, I've driven by a church building, especially when we were looking, and I would see the sign out front that they might have one service on Sunday morning and maybe a prayer meeting Wednesday or Thursday in the week, and the rest of the week the building's empty. And I would be so envious at that time because we 
could have used the nice, we've got a beautiful facility, but we use this quite a bit. We've got things going on. People talk about prayer, but prayer, the problem with prayer is it's true work. It takes work to pray. It takes work to actually make the time to seek the Lord. Acts chapter 1 verse 14, as soon as Jesus is taking up, it says that they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So this isn't just the apostles. This isn't just those. This is people that goes on to say that at one point there's 120 people in the upper room, and, uh, you know, uh, Jesus had appeared to 500, but 120 are praying, at least at this point. And then they make the decision that Matthias should take over from Judas. Uh, and, uh, and the book of Acts then is marked with prayer. Acts 2, they're praying. Acts 3, they're going to prayer. Acts 4, they pray. Act, you know, Acts 6, uh, they're praying. On and on it goes uh, that the mark of the book of Acts, Christianity is marked by prayer. But you have to make that your own. You can't just say, well, we pray as a church. Yes, we do. But what about you? Do you pray? It's a landmark that is unfathomable when God answers your prayers. It's like, wow, he heard me. The court of heaven heard me make a request and then granted it to me. That's amazing. I'm always fascinated how God moves. That we have to make this our own. You have to make prayer your own. Because it's easy to go through a day when you bow your head a couple of times to pray over your sandwich and your piece of chicken at night that Have you really prayed? Another landmark is evangelism. Telling people, reaching people, witnessing. It's a landmark. To be involved in an event that is going to allow people to come and hear the gospel. You either make a crowd or you find a crowd to present the gospel. Actually, I was outreaching yesterday at the market, and I was walking around the market with my wife, and I turned to her and I said, how many places, cities, nations, places, do you think we've outreached? And she's like, I have no idea. No idea. In my mind is this plaza I drove up to one time, to hand out flyers at. I do remember it was winter time and there was snow. I can't tell you where in the world it is. I do remember being there. I remember, you know, there's been funny stories. Probably the funniest story is my first time overseas. I might have shared this before, but my first time we went to Drummondsville, Quebec, Canada. 
I was preaching a revival there. It was my first international revival that I've ever uh, I preached. It was in French, so I needed a translator, and we're passing out. And I remember, you know, we went into a restaurant, and uh, the woman, uh, you know, I'm getting a sandwich, and she goes, do you want white cheese on that? And I went, I said, yes, and I laughed. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She goes, why did you laugh? I said, because in America, we call that American cheese. So you Americans, why don't you speak French? I'm like, you know what? If we had a second language, it would be Spanish. It wouldn't be French. Sorry to break it to you, honey, but you know what? <laughs> That's the way the world really is. Well, I'm on the outreach. We hand, I handed a flyer to a woman, and she's, she's looking at the flyer, and she points at the picture on it, and she points at me. Is this you? I'm like, yeah. She pulls out her Bic lighter, lights the flyer on fire, waves it in my face, and throws it at me. I'm like, glory to God. On we go. That's why Canada has a special place in my heart. But anyway, another true story. I was preaching in, uh, in, in Kiev, Ukraine, street preaching. And we're across from the market, which is a series of kiosks. It was winter time. And this woman comes out of the market, and I could tell she's mad. And she is just steaming, and she, you know, we've got a crowd, and especially as I began to preach in English, this captured some of the attention of people. It wasn't just in, you know, in Russian or, or Ukrainian. And so, uh, as, as she has this, she's coming, she wants to get to me. One of the guys from, uh, the Odessa church where Dennis is, is right now, Dennis and Luba are pastoring there right now. And so he gets between me and her and he won't let her get to me. And I'm asking, what did she say? And they're like, no, pastor, no, we're not telling you, no. I don't know how much he was cursing me out in Russian. I didn't understand any of those words. But you know what? Evangelism is fun. Say, well, that doesn't sound fun. Well, you know what? You get by that. You start reaching people and praying with them. You start finding an individual that's going through something at that moment. You're able to talk to them and tell them that Jesus loves them. Change their life. Change their life because of evangelism. Oh, I don't know if it works. Really? Do you know the biggest family in the Cape Cod church came because they got a flyer on a windshield? Just got, actually, Bob and Barbara just sent me their Christmas card with all their kids and grandkids. And it's like there's a whole tribe of them. And most of them are either in the church or out pastoring. What God can do through outreach. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Jesus said to do. Without prejudice, age, race, none of that should matter. Spoke with a man, another man from Afghanistan yesterday. Muslim. Probably my best witness yesterday. It's a long-term investment. Reaching people, 
cities, and even nations. Another landmark we have is discipleship is the press for men and women to respond to the will of God, the call of God. We're very unique in the sense in our fellowship. We have standards for ministry. We don't advertise in the paper, wanted, keyboard player. My wife and my in-laws used to go to a church. One of the, they used to hire the organist. She would come in and play. Then when the preacher got up to preach, she would go out and smoke cigarettes. Come back in and play again and get her $25 and go home. I could tell you about other churches where the drummer in his 30s got a 17-year-old girl pregnant, and then they had a church wedding, and hey, praise the Lord. At least they're getting married, which I'll give them that. But he was never sat down from ministry. These were fought for. But if you're going to be in ministry... You're going to live a certain way. You're going to act and behave like a Christian and obey the word of God. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given to you. And be sure of this, that I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Shifting standards. I have been asked repeatedly in my ministry, Would you change that? Second Timothy 2.2 And the things that you've heard from me and have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You working with someone imparting, encouraging them to get filled with the Holy Spirit, come on evangelism, come to prayer, pay their tithe, that God could bless their lives. Ministry principles aren't because you're filling or checking boxes. It's because it comes from the heart. It's a boundary you have made your own. So let's talk about then, our text tells us to not move the landmarks. Do not move the ancient boundary markers set up by the previous generation. Standards, ministry, boundaries, prayer, whatever it is, shouldn't be a moving target. Shouldn't be moving goalposts. Should be clear, this is the way it is. It's to our advantage that we don't shift the landmarks. 
things that have been established. Jeremiah 31, verse 21, set up the signposts, make the landmarks. Set your heart towards the highway, the way which you went. Turn back, O virgin Israel, turn back to these, your cities. Not paying attention to those causes problems. 2013, on July 24th, a train carrying 218 people derailed in northwest Spain, killing 79 and hospitalizing another 66. Shortly after the wreck, the, dri- the driver, Francisco Jose Gonzalez Amao, told officials, I, can- I can't explain it. I still don't understand it. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. As he j- said the journey was going fine until the train hit a curve, at that point, he realized and said to himself, oh my God, there's a curve, there's a curve, we won't make it. Despite initial confusion and surprise, there was a simple explanation for the crash. Video footage revealed that the train was going 119 miles per hour before the deadly crash. That was more than twice the speed limit for that section of the track. It wasn't just the speed that caused the accident. It was combined speed and the location of the track. The train was designed to go over 130 miles an hour. But this employee of the, for 30 years of Spain's National Railroad, simply ignored the boundaries in which he was in that the speed should have been reduced. He ignored the boundaries. He didn't think that where he was mattered. So he kept on going to his own destruction. See, when you make the boundaries your own, God then can bless your life. Every addict that would come in to the program in Russia, Pastor Sergei Golubov would tell them, what do you think your problem is? And they would say drugs or poverty or this. And he'd say, no, your problem is you haven't surrendered. No one can tell you what to do. You want to set your own boundaries. Therefore, you have the problems you have. It's not the drugs. It's not your parents. It's not your financial situation. It's not this person or that person or the church or what. It's your unwillingness to surrender. Boundaries keep us protected. Deuteronomy 19.14, when you arrive in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancient, your ancestors rather, set up to mark their property. God has called us to settle it. In Genesis 26, a man named Isaac, this is Abraham's son, We actually just ministered on the first part of this chapter, uh, maybe even Wednesday night. I can't. I'm thinking about the next sermon, not the last sermon. So I think it was Wednesday night. While he was there, he began to have to redig the wells that his father Abraham had dug. 
Wells at that time were a claim on a property. They were, they meant that you had it. And it says in verse 15 that the Philistines had, had filled up the wells. So he had to redig them. Verse 18, he opened the, fa- the wells that his fathers had dug and the Philistines had filled with after Abraham's death. And he restored them. But then he goes on because they argued over this one and it was called, you know, Esek, which means argument. And he dug another one and they named it Sitneth because that means hostility. And he's got to fight these through. Because I'll tell you what, when you try to establish boundaries, there's fights. Sometimes with people, sometimes in the spiritual, but it happens. And finally, he dug a well and he called it Rehoboth, which means space. God has a space for you and the blessing of God on your life. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old ways, godly ways, and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that is not the road we want. God says, I have this for you, but you have to make the choice for it. Make it your own. Tim Keller, as a pastor, has written some very outstanding books. He wrote a book called Making Sense of God. And he uses the illustration there. He says, if you see a large sailboat out on the water moving swiftly, it's because the sailor is honoring the boat's design. If the sailor tries to take it into water that is too shallow, the boat could be ruined. The sailor's experience of the freedom of the speed of sailing only comes when the limits of the boat, the proper depth of the water, the face of the wind to the angle, are used correctly. The same way human beings thrive in an environment and break down in others. Unless you give honor to the limits of your physical nature, you'll never know the freedom of your health. Unless you give honors to the human relations, you'll never know the freedom of love and of social peace. If you actually lived any way you wanted, never aligning your choices with the physical and social realities, you'd die quickly and you'd die alone. Then then you are not free to choose. But the best freedoms only are when you're willing to submit to the choices on the varying realities and honor your own design. Christianity is the same way. We're not free to make Jesus Mr. Potato Head and dress him up the way we want him. We don't like that, so we'll change his eye. We'll change his... No, 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 no. We have to submit to who He is. And then when we do that, there's freedom and blessing. That we're not moving the boundaries. That we'll say, you know what, it's in Jesus. 
That's where the blessing is. That's where the safety is. That's where you can experience the greatest plan that God has for your life when you don't mess with the ancient boundaries. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning. You've come and you don't know Jesus. Sin literally means to miss the mark. It literally means that you have not fulfilled what God has for your life. We do this by our own choices. We do this by making sometimes bad choices. We do this by simply not surrendering to God in what He has for our lives. We want to move the bow. We want to say, no, I can do that. I can. The problem with that is it ends in disaster. Boundaries that God has set up keep us safe. First John 5, 3, His commandments are not grievous. He didn't put them there to ruin your life. He put them there to protect your life. My mom, when I was a child, didn't tell me not to play in the road because she wanted to spoil my fun. She didn't want me to get hit by a car, just like any other good parent would tell their parents. And that I probably should eat more broccoli than Snickers. When you respond to God and let Him become Lord and Savior of your life, God will bless you. God will cause the favor and the glory of God, freedom from sin and from guilt and shame. But you got to surrender. you got to say, you know what? I've tried being out there without, and it hasn't worked. I need you to come into my heart and change my life. If you're here tonight, this morning, you're not right with God, you're not saved, not a Christian, you need to get saved. I wonder if you want prayer. See, lift up your hands. Say, you know what? That's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender. I need Jesus to forgive me. I want God to do a miracle. Anyone, very quickly, you slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Very quickly. Anyone else? You're backslidden because you don't like the borders. It's taking you into places that you don't like and bad habits and sin, bad attitudes and disobedience. Because you move the ancient landmarks. You want to get your heart right tonight, this this morning. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Anyone at all, very quickly. We're going to move on in just a moment. To the Christians, the ever lasting fight, because the enemy would love to try to convince us that you know what? It's better outside the borders. And it's not. These have been established, fought for. We need to keep, make our own. My gospel. It's mine. Make it your own. That's the only way it really works in your life. If it's just 
the churches or whatever, then you will never experience the blessing and the favor of God. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to worship his name, give him time. As people pray, create in me. Create Father, we love you, God. We rejoice in you, God. We exalt you and love you, God. Oh, la, 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 la,